0: Hello, welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dina Varley, founder and CEO of Project Purple, and today we're back in the podcast studio. And I've got two very special guests with us uh, going over the New York City Marathon. This is our special episode, and with us today, coming to us all the way from bright and sunny, Providence, Rhode Island, Project Purple Special Ambassador, Molly Huddle, and Project Purple running coach john Huntercamp, molly john thank you for being on the project purple podcast once again
1: thanks for having us
2: yeah thanks dino great to see you again
0: yes we are we are recording on zoom we are just using the audio but it is nice to see friendly faces once again we've got a special episode for our audience today this is kind of exciting i know we were talking a lot before we hit record here but This is our New York City Marathon preview, the 2020, 2021, I almost said 2020 there. Uh, This should have been 2020, but that was canceled. So the 2021 New York City Marathon, which is actually the 50th anniversary of the New York City Marathon, very special. We're two weeks down and and we'll we'll all be there on race day in in certain capacities. Uh, So we wanted to share with our audience, with our teams, uh, just kind of a preview of what to expect On the course. So how we're going to go through this is we'll talk about the various stages of the race from the start, the course, the finish, everything in between. And then we'll we'll talk about some do's and don'ts from everyone's perspective. But to start, we're going to start with Molly here. Molly, let's talk about the start of the race. And I know for you, you've run the race twice. You've had great times at the race. You finished third in your debut, and then you finished fourth by like eight seconds to someone I know who you're a big fan of who we were just talking about uh, And the second time you ran it. What's the start? Kind of um, what's the start been like for you? I know it's a little bit different than our runners, because our runners will be taking the ferry over, the, which I know, John, you and I have talked about this as kind of like that pilgrimage with the homeless, uh, where everyone's on the subway down to the Staten Island Ferry, you get over to the ferry station, then you take the buses over to Fort Wadsworth. But for you, Molly, you know, what's the start been like for you? I mean, um, share that with our audience if you can.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So definitely I haven't experienced all the energy that you have to try and conserve getting to the start. We get ushered there on a nice uh, bus, so we get spoiled. Um, but yeah, the women's only start, uh, is also a little different cause you don't have, you know, you just have maybe 40 of us on the starting line and nobody behind us and nobody in front of us. We start the race. So that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, you're on the Verrazano bridge and, um, it's kind of an intimidating start cuz it's so uphill. Like your first mile is probably the biggest I think it is the biggest hill on the course. But I love it because we always um had kind of a chill start because we didn't want to like hurt so early. So our and you know for a marathon for like I always ran well in New York and I think some of it was because we didn't really get rolling until a couple miles later. And so you had that warm up. It feels like the marathon is a few miles shorter. Um, and so I always just enjoy myself on the bridge and just take stock of everything. You know, how are my shoes feeling? Are they tied? Okay. Do I have, you know, how's my form? How, like, uh, how are things going at the start? And, um, you just kind of look out over the water and get ready for the race to start when, once you get down the other side, down the hill on the other side. So it's a start unlike any other. Um, it's, it's pretty cool.
0: So, I've got a question for you that just came up. And so the things you just said, though, are, are are probably really common to my experience. And I know John's run it a ton of times to his experience because it is what it is. There's a hill. There's a huge hill at the start. Right. Um, and that's something that I think listeners listeners at home, if they've never run the race. Everyone thinks, and we probably all three of us have heard this: like, oh, New York, it's super flat. Uh, No, it's not. There's there's the hills, which are the bridges, which are really hilly. Um, So, you you mentioned energy. What, like, it is a different experience. You're out there with forty women. Um, You're in this thing to win this thing for for you know big prize money. How do you contain that energy? Because Mm -hmm. I feel like for us as, you know, the the runners in the back that are going wave one, wave two, wave three, it's kind of that same, we're all experiencing that same energy, right? Like we're getting, we're going there on that pilgrimage, but then there's that excitement, you're on that bridge. I've said, um, you know, many times that if they could replicate the start of that race and put it on every race, they would sell out every single race and have supply and demand issues because it is pretty electric being able to run mm-hmm. over that bridge and having all those helicopters flying and, and, you know, the, the cannons going off and all the pomp and circumstance, yeah. but what are some of the things that you do? I mean, it, you know, we, John and I have talked a lot about like going out too early, but you know, that, that could be something that could be really a problem, especially for you where you don't have anyone in front of you other than your competitors.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do feel like it helps that like, you don't have a ton of crowds for that first two miles. I mean, I guess you have the other masses around you, which are, you're all pretty excited to start, but um, it is a little easier to just like feel out the pace and pace yourself and not go out too hard when there's no crowds around. Cause you don't hit them till you get off the bridge and go into Brooklyn. Um, it is an amazing start. I mean, I always say like New York is my favorite race <laughs> and there's, it's because there's so many points on the course where you're like, I would never get to run on this if it wasn't for marathon day. Like I, you get to run over these amazing bridges, you get to run, up for a stab like you're doing it's just like you catch yourself thinking like whoa this is so cool to be running through New York in this way um but yeah there's definitely like the first few miles of any marathon you want to contain that excitement you know you're going to need it later everyone says that but it's hard to like feel that (laughs) because you really are just so excited to be there um but I think that's why the New York's New York's have gone well for me. Cause it kind of helps you dial it in a little bit just because of the way the start is.
0: So do you have like a mental cadence Molly within in yourself internally, or are you looking at like, is your husband Kurt or, you know, your coach someone out on the course with a sign, like, you know, as they have in formula one or an in IndyCar racing, telling you your pace and saying, Hey, slow down, slow down. Or how does that work for you to kind of contain some of that energy?
2: Yeah. Well, for us, they have a pace car, but it follows the leader. So you hope no one breaks away too early. Um, that does happen a few times. And then you're just like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I like you just rely on the watch. Um, luckily, like my polar gives me splits. But in the city, it, it's so you know, the GPSs can be kind of inaccurate. So um, you hope to run Yeah, you hope to run into your coach or one of your training partners, who can say they're a minute ahead of you or how like just where you are on the course. Um but I I go by feel anyway. I just I try and feel within myself for the first half and then the second half I know it's going to hurt. I think of the second half as like a whole new start and that's where the racing is. So usually around um that point of the race I start to press and I hope there's people ahead of me to catch.
0: Awesome. I love it. John, talk about the start and and now I know you've run New York I was going to say nine times, but I, I don't want to shortchange you anyway.
1: Yeah. This would be my 10th in a row. Obviously Sandy and, and last year obviously didn't happen, but, uh, the first one, my first marathon was 2010. Um, and again, I'm, I'm by, I think like, I agree with Molly that I don't think there's a better start in all sports than the New York city marathon. I mean, I, the Olympics I would say is, is pretty great. Um, as far as the opening ceremonies and just, I love the Olympics, but as far as like every year, New York City Marathon, and I've run all the other world majors except Tokyo. Um, and again, maybe I'm biased because I'm from New York, but I just think there's nothing better than that start. Um, and just obviously, there's a lot of waiting around. The worst part of New York, I think, is the start. And again, I one year I ran sub-elite that first year, so I think we were next to the elite. So it is pretty cushy. You just kind of show up, you have a tent, um, and it's just like a regular race. Um, but there's definitely like a, there's something to getting up early, making sure you have the right breakfast, you're making sure you're... You're not panicking. You do get the extra hour of sleep, but sometimes that, that's just an added thing of change in the morning without daylight savings. But there is like just containing your energy and tr- not not trying to be too cold or too warm and bringing the food with you. Because, you know, if you're out there for four hours or you leave your apartment or hotel at five or six in the morning, and I, I know some of the waves this year, maybe it's because of the COVID protocol. I think one wave I was talking to some runners is not till noon. Correct asking me about like should i eat breakfast <laughs> you should eat breakfast and lunch yeah mm-hmm. so there's definitely logistics as far as like comfort and warmth and nothing you know it could be damp out there if it's raining so it's a lot of extra um kind of like logistics as far as making sure you're dry and 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 warm and bed. Uh, i'm not lying on this part but the actual start It is. And and of course, Molly nailed it right away as far as like she knows it's the first, it's the longest, it's the steepest and longest hill on the whole course. Most people don't hear that because it's just like, oh, the beginning, the the cannon goes off. And I realized this because after the first year I ran in 2010, every year since I've paced celebrities. And so, you know, I'm like sherpering and I I still have to run the race and train for it. But I'm basically, you know, catering to someone uh, in particular. And I know the first year I paced Apollo Ono and I was just trying to run an even effort um my our first i mean i think we ended up running 325 which is pretty good but i never forget it because i'm a geek with splits and our first mile was 906 and our second mile was 720 and i did not change my effort so okay. people who don't if they're trying to run a certain pace a it's it can be crowded although this year it'll be, it'll be less crowded because there's 20,000 less runners but you the first mile that means anything is mile two to three that's but for on fourth avenue it's flat you're in you're in the. so i feel like the bridge if someone who's trying to run sub three or sub four or or bq whatever that is and all of a sudden they find that their first mile is a minute off they can easily panic and then they find themselves weaving in and out of people to make up for that lost time and then it's already on a downhill so then they crush their quads so it's really kind of like just take it in and enjoy it and kind of like take it for what it is and, and enjoy the view because it really is um I mean, the fact that we ran 9.06.720 uh, is really like you gain a lot of that lost time in mile one right back in mile two. And I always tell people that because, you know, they could be like a minute off or even have sometimes two minutes off that first mile because of the crowds and the hill. And they don't realize that the steepest downhill in the course is mile two. So that's just something where it's kind of a wash and you want to start off easy anyway because... You know, i know the pros will actually warm i know molly how much do you jog before a marathon as far as your warm-up
2: we usually do just like 10 minutes yeah, yeah. But
1: most people are doing zero just because you know <laughs> yeah. so they kind of use that first um you know again i'm sure if molly if you were if you were running a 5k on the track you might be you know running 20 or 30 minutes before and whereas you know that that, that window of, of warm-up is, is different for, for most people so you know that first mile should be part of your warm-up because you're, you're standing around for a couple hours but I guess just really enjoy it because I think it's just an epic start. And I think it's really, you know, I think the biggest mistake in marathoning is going out too fast Um, in in particular New York, because of the level of excitement. Um, Again, no offense to Boston and other races, but I mean, I casually walked up to Chicago and casually walked up to London and just jumped in the corral and they were both kind of out, at least London and and Boston are kind of out in a field. Like it's a park. It's not like this, you know, Chicago is kind of exciting as it's downtown, but I just feel like it's, It's very easy to go out too fast in New York, uh, more so than any marathon, just because of the crowds and the nature. So I would say just enjoy it and just know that that mile two to three is the first split you should really pay attention to.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, John, we've talked about this and, and Molly, I know this is not the uh, the issue that, uh, you know, you can't go back in a corral. We, we often coach our runners um, if they have like an issue with pacing, right? Uh, that they fear that they're going to go out too fast to go back in the corral, or go back in their start, because that allows them to be around slower runners that hopefully will contain that someone energy, but then you, you run the risk, right? John, I think, we, and we've talked about this and, and Molly is like, so if there's such this excitement at the start and everyone is excited, you know, you're, and if let's say your pace is an eight minute pace, but now you drop back to a 10 minute pace, well, those 10 minute pace people might run an eight minute pace, right? So you got to be very conscious. Um, I think of that, but that hopefully, you know, by moving back, which everyone has the ability to do um, in in all these major races, you can't go forward, but you can move back in, in your corrals. Hopefully we'll put you in a, in a pace group that will hopefully contain some of that excitement at the start of the race to not go out too fast. I, I think to both of your point, New York is something special, right? And since we've all run the race, I think unless you've run the race, you don't know what that means. And it, and it is such a special moment, the pomp and circumstance. And I think this year, you know, naturally with the uh, the cancellation last year, but also the 50th anniversary, it's going to be even that much grander if that's even a term but it's going to be that much more exciting at the start line when that cannon goes off Let's talk about the course here. Um, so you come off the Verrazano and, you know, there, there's so many aspects of this, but, you know, I guess we'll break this down to the first half and the second half. And Molly, I know you said you alluded a little bit to it, like, you know, in terms of like strategy, you know, you kind of go out. Is, is there any part of that first part of that course? I know you, you said it's it's kind of cool, you know, and one of my questions, uh, not to, to, to fan geek out here is like, do you actually because we've been out on the course and I think one year we had a big fat head of Molly, a a picture of you and and I've got the megaphone. Do you actually, as as a professional, do you kind of like get in a tunnel and ignore all the noise, but you just mentioned, you know, you come off the bridge and you kind of, you know, the fans are out there.
2: Yeah. I think it depends on what part of the race. And, um, usually the first, you know, 10 miles or so in a marathon, we're trying to be so relaxed and so, you might hear some things. Um, I remember hearing, well, I remember when we ran through Brooklyn, um, people were throwing like confetti at us. And I was like, we're literally running through a party. This is so cool. Because, you know, the women were the first ones to come through. And then I remember one year coming off the um, Queensboro Bridge, at mile 15 or 16 and the whole Saucony office was there, or I think it was Saucony, but they were all saying the, ath- the Saucony athlete's name. So when I came down, they all yelled my name and I, I definitely heard them. And I was like, oh, I, that's like so cool to like tune in to like a little cheering personal cheering section like that. Usually I don't notice that stuff. Um, so once in a while you do notice Um, But yeah, like in Central Park, I don't hear anybody. I'm just like, where's the finish
0: line? (laughs) (laughs) You're zoned in at that point just to finish. Yeah,
2: yeah, because a lot of people were like, I yelled for you in the park. And I was like, oh, I didn't hear that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. So if we talk about the first part of the course, I know you mentioned coming off the bridge, you love seeing the fans there. Is there a favorite part of that course or any tips that you have? I mean, that, that first, I mean, you know, people who've never run the race, I hate saying this over and over, but I think it is true to this is, you know, the first part of the race is pretty much all Brooklyn, right? I mean, you're mm-hmm. in Brooklyn probably till, uh, I think the halfway point and then, uh, well not, in, no, yeah, yeah, you're in Brooklyn for quite a bit of time. So is there yeah. a favorite part of that first, uh, first part of that race for you?
2: I mean, I love running through Brooklyn because you don't, hurt yet so everything feels good and you're able to kind of appreciate the party and the atmosphere and everyone is so excited and um those are that i both times i've run new york those are the parts where i was just taking it in so i like i gotta say i love like what is it miles two through eight around there um and it's pretty flat in brooklyn too i mean you might have a some subtle uphill but i felt like it was very comfortable and you're just really enjoying that part.
0: Yeah. John, what's your favorite yeah. piece of the first part of that race?
1: Funny, again, I'm from Long Island and, and I was, you know, Manhattan resident for so long. Now I live in Brooklyn for the last six years. But I was shocked of all the little neighborhoods you run through. Not so much, uh, you know, you start, you come into Bay Ridge where my wife's from and it's a straight shot from, you know, two to eight. So you can really get a rhythm there and it's really wide. You're running on both sides of the street. Um, it, at mile eight, it does make a turn and you, you see bam there, you make a left and then a right. And then it gets kind of condensed, um, eight to nine, which is kind of really the first real Hill other than the, the Verrazano. But I love the neighborhoods mainly from like mile eight to 13, it's, it feels like you run through 10 different neighborhoods and it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, again, like I had never really spent much time in Brooklyn, um, oddly enough. And I just, that was like, when I first ran it, I was like, wow, I got to come back and spend time here because it was just the, these cool neighborhood vibes. I find overall, though, I don't consider New York a really hard course. I think people make it tougher than it needs to be because they go out too fast, like we talked about. I'm curious, Molly, and obviously other races, Chicago's fast, Berlin's fast, but in the pro ranks, is, is New York considered hard or is it more like middle of the road? I feel like it's, it's because it's not a lot of hills. It's really just the bridges. I mean, First Avenue is tricky. Mile 23 we'll talk about is is sneaky. Um, but to be honest, if you don't really count the first, the first two miles because it's just up and down and but from two to eight it's flat
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then yeah. from eight to nine is a hill and then the Pulaski bridge is not very long that's halfway I, do you find it like is it challenging from a pro's perspective
2: i mean i've only run london boston um and new york of the majors so far but i'll say it's always the slowest one um for a lot of the pros new york is so there is something to it i mean a lot of people you know a lot of it is point to point so you could get a headwind i know people talk about that with boston but actually new york except for the last 10k it's all one direction so you could have a little bit of a slowdown with wind um and for some reason the hills do slow people down enough that like most of us don't have a pr that's from new york city and we we focus more on place because of that so you know it's challenging enough but um, I always felt like I felt more beat up coming out of Boston than New York. So it like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe New York is tends to just be a little more tactical of a race, but it's definitely got por- portions where you roll. Like, I think right after the Queensboro Bridge, um, the one year we were running like sub 515, like five, we were running like 512s for a couple of miles. Um, so you can get going.
1: Yeah, I just think it's, I mean, just for like, especially the the masses, it's, yeah, it's challenging for sure. It's a marathon, but I, I always find that it's more that I, 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 so many people are like, oh, I, I trained to run nine minute pace and then they're running 8.15 is feeling great. And they just like get tricked into like, oh, maybe I could run 3.30 instead of four hours. And then that never ends well. <laughs> um, I think it just becomes more difficult because of, of the going out too fast, uh, more so in New York. But I'm not saying it's an easy course, but I think it's just, it's not as hilly as people might think uh because it's really mainly bridges and going in from borough to borough is when you hear the mm-hmm. other 23 which we'll get to which is my one of my nemesis but um <laughs> yeah but i think to your point to your question you know i think i just love the neighborhoods in brooklyn once you get to like eight to nine is that first hill literally like you're running through a tunnel because you're running through fourth avenue is really wide it's four lanes because you have both sides once you make a left and to a right from eight to nine it's literally like like you know, the trees and the and the road narrows. And again, if someone like you know, the, the pros don't don't have a squeeze because they're only you know at that point it, maybe there's twenty people in the in the pack or less. Um, but you, everyone's out on their stoops, and it's just like a, a it's just and it's you know early enough. Like Molly said, you're not hurting yet. It, it's just like, you know Brooklyn's great because you know most people aren't hurting, and it's really kind of a all the neighborhoods you run through. I think was the thing that sticks out of you know. Um, yeah, I feel like you run through like 15 neighborhoods in like five miles.
2: Yeah. I think that's what makes New York go by so fast is that it's just such a change of scenery every couple miles. Like you'll enter like the, um, the Orthodox Jewish part of Brooklyn where it's like, you know a race isn't even going on yeah, there's, no <laughs> so there's no one it's out there's no one out and people are just going road. about their day yeah and you're just like where am i like is this new york and then you'll enter another part and they're like playing like really loud hip hop music you'll enter another, another part and it's like you know people like doing something totally different and so it's just like such a change of scenery and it's so cool to see all the different parts of new york i feel like some of the other marathons it it is a lot of um waiting for the miles to go by and you don't even know where you are. They all seem to blur together sometimes. But New York has always, I don't know, if you are one to tune into that stuff and you're not too focused on your time, um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on.
0: Yeah, Molly, I, I love how you brought that up that the, the the uh that part in in williamsburg there that gets really like i remember in 19 when i ran and i kind of you know i've run the race three times and it's in that first part of the race and i was like where the hell is everyone and like someone john someone did cross the street as we were running and, and actually a like,
1: place a place to be and they don't care that
0: yeah yeah so it's just kind of fascinating to me uh you know and and the the, the parts are so different in 19 I didn't have a great race so I I was a lot slower than I anticipated so I did kind of take in more of the scenery and everything around it and it is pretty wild John to your point I remember the first year doing the race um was back in 2013 and I got kind of freaked out when we went into that Brooklyn section where you take that turn and it becomes really narrow. And like the fans at that point, I mean, they're like, I mean, granted it was the year after Boston. So there was, you know, a heightened security and everything, but the fans were like right there. It was awesome last year I picked up a $20 bill in that section. That's how coming. <laughs> that's, that's a funny one. Um, I think one of my favorites, um, and naturally I'm a little biased here that what I'm going to put out here. So this is in all seriousness is our chair zone. So we have our first chair zone in that first part of the race, right on Bedford. It's right around Bedford, right before 12, right on um, six, which we love. I mean, it, it, and to, you know, both of your points about the differences in Brooklyn from the neighborhoods, it is really wild in that neighborhood. Um, um, just, I know from chairing there, and that's something that I love doing when I'm not running the race, how diverse the crowd is and how eclectic it is. It's just really wild. we become friends with the people that live in the brownstones there because we go so crazy. Uh, so it is, it is really, really cool. I, I, that's what I think is really fun about this course. You know, and, and it's particularly in that first part with Brooklyn is just the diversity and the, and the different areas. And just, that's what I think it was Peter Chacha. I think, you know, the former race director for the race who I know you guys both know pretty well um, used to say, like, I think his, his slogan was like, it's the best party in the world. Right. And, and every, you know, first weekend in November that happens on Sunday. and And that's really to sum it up. Oh, like yeah. it's what's that, John?
1: biggest block party. Yeah. Right? Biggest
0: block party, you know, so it's just so cool. Um, all right. So let's talk about the second part of the race and, and we'll, we'll, I guess the best place to start this. I mean, I know technically like the halfway point is still in Brooklyn. I always feel that the second part of the race is really that Queensboro bridge. Cause that's really when things kind of change a bit. Um, it, it's your first time you know, entering Manhattan. And, and I think the race really does change as we were just saying in terms of like the crowds and everything else. I mean, it it does become different once you hit Manhattan. So from your standpoint, Molly um, you know, what are your thoughts now from that point from the Queensboro bridge, then we'll going to just before the finish.
2: Yeah, so the Queensboro Bridge is hard. Um, it just comes at a hard point. You know, you're usually feeling okay at 13. You might not be okay at 15, and that's around where the bridge is. And it's pretty steep. It's pretty quiet in there. You're just in this like tunnel of pain. <laughs> um, I remember my first New York, I had uh, our group spread out really early because Mary Katani went out really hard and I was running alone on the bridge. And I just remember thinking, next time I come back, I want to be racing people on this bridge because I need help getting up this thing. Um, and then that next year, I did the two years later when I did it, I was with a great pack. I was with, um, I think it was Shalane, Vivian Chariot, um, Mamitu Daska. And it was the four of us. And I was like, yes, this is what I wanted. You have to just get to the top, you know. Usually you're fighting something off. I think I had a cramp both years and it went away when I got down the other side. So you get on to um, is it first av off of that? Jumps yep. you right into first av and the crowds are back. Usually you'll start to feel better. Um, I feel like that's just that bridge just hits at one of those bad patches in the marathon and um you just can start thinking about central park when you get on the other side, which is exciting. Um, 10 miles is a lot, but in a marathon, it's not a lot. So yeah, that's definitely a pivotal moment where like you can make or break your race. I think on that hill.
0: Awesome. John, any thoughts? Yeah.
1: yeah, Just, I mean, obviously like, you know, Pulaski bridge coming out of Greenpoint, Brooklyn into Queens is halfway. So you're in, a, you're in Brooklyn for 11 miles of the race, and then you're only in Queens for a mile and a half. It's a couple turns. Uh, it is pretty industrial. And there is pockets of like, that's probably the first place that other than the Verrazano Bridge, where there's no spectators, but you wouldn't really realize it because it's just the pomp and circumstance at the start. But I feel like in Queens, there's pockets, you know, very industrial in certain spots that I feel like that's the first spot where you might have like pockets of not a lot of crowds, which is kind of a good place to gather your thoughts and regroup. But 59th Street nice Bridge, when I first ran it for the first time, everyone warned me about this bridge, and so actually I didn't think it was that tough because people thought it, told me how bad it was, and it was yeah it was challenging. But I was expecting it to be worse, um, but it is kind of eerie because there's no fans, there's no spectators. There's, there's just like in and and where I was running, there was you know crowds as far as runners, so it was not there was lots of runners on there, unlike Molly her first time. But it was still kind of eerie because it was just like silence. All you can hear is like the footsteps and then people breathing. It does. It also can get a lot chillier because it's you're under, you're on the second level. So it's shaded and you're running over a body of water. And sometimes it could be, a you know, it could be breezy. So I definitely had people, you know, it's easy to want to get, you know, if you have gloves on, if it's cold enough at the beginning where you have gloves and you get warmed up, it's easy to like throw those away, but I've actually put them back on, you know, again, if it's a day that's like in the forties or fifties, it does get chillier at that spot. And it's definitely not like a, you know, up 50%, down 50%. It's almost more like 70% of climb. And then it's more of a steep downhill that yeah. shoots you out like a cannon. I think uh, that's one of my favorite parts, even though it's eerie, but the end of it, you definitely start hearing the crowds. Um, and I, you probably heard it a lot too, because, this, you know, Molly, where there's like, there's no runners yet. And then all of a sudden you're the first pack to come through. So the crowds are probably really energetic waiting for the first group to come through. But you kind of get like, Pushed out at a corkscrew around the first avenue. There's a great spot for bathrooms there underneath <laughs> with uh, the 15th Street Bridge. So if you are, you know, if you, you know, you, there's some others around the course, but that there's a big bank of uh, Porter Johns right there. But it's, I remember like you shot a there. and First Avenue is basically from 16 to 19, and it's kind of like, there's definitely parts where you're climbing, but there is a dangerous spot where you can really get ahead of yourself with the crowds because I remember. I remember, I always try to consciously slow down, even if I'm pacing someone, because you naturally will pick it up. And I'm always saying they were running 512s, so maybe the crowd had something to do with that. But it, I remember it, like a buddy of mine one year was running six flat pace, so pretty fast. He dropped to 456, <laughs> 16 to 17, because he like was like high-fiving, it was so exciting. And so, I mean, you don't wanna go, you don't wanna run a minute faster than you're supposed to. So just be careful of that energy. Cause it's, it's probably one of the loudest parts of the course. Um, but I, I always try to consciously slow down from 16 to 17 because of, and sometimes I've actually even run on the, run on the right side of the road because it's just quieter
2: mm-hmm.
1: on the left side, because it's, it's, it's conducive to go from the left side, it makes it easier to go to the central park and as a spectator, you can easily go and be on the left side and then like go to the finish or to fifth Avenue on the right side is, is less busy because of, you know, people can't cross as easy. So. I've, I've found that, that even though it's as exciting, don't let it kind of push you off your pace because I remember like the the, the crowds are so great that like you don't even feel your legs. It's like the, you get these goosebumps coming off of that. And it's usually a good thing, but it could derail you if you're not derailed already. I, I just, just got to be conscious that, that that's a really exciting part of the race, especially 16 to 17. 18 or 19, not as much going into the Bronx. But again, First Avenue is not easy, but that first part is really... Uh, it can be easy to kind of get a little ahead of yourself as far as pacing with the crowds and just kind of curb your enthusiasm a little bit, but it's a wonderful part of the course. If you can curb that enthusiasm.
0: Yeah. You guys both, uh, I mean, that 59th Street Bridge, and I know we've talked about this. I mean, I've talked about this for the last almost 10 years now that we've been in the program is like, you got, you, and I, John, maybe you were the first one when we met years ago, It's just like how eerie quiet that bridge is. And you can hear like people breathing, people, you know, footsteps. And then I remember someone told me this is like, you get to the halfway point and clearly when, you know, back depending on what wave you're in you can start to hear the roar of the crowd on first av and then coming down off that turn that's a pretty steep turn um you know so you have to be careful and then you do get caught up i think it's very easy to get caught up in the excitement right because the fan i mean there's sometimes 10 12 people deep there which is insane the bathroom bank, I was giggling there, John, when you said that, because that was a godsend for me in 2019. We don't need to go into that, but I remember that podcast that we recorded. And I was like John mentioned there's a big bank of of uh of Porta John's there, which was a life send. But um first Ave is really electric. I mean, you do go through, I mean, I'm big about charity, clearly what we do here, but you know, Memorial Sloan Kittering, which is You know, they do a great job with Fred's team. They have hundreds of runners. Um, You know, they do a great job curing all cancers for that. But they have a huge presence there right on First Ave, uh, which is just really cool. And then you start to see a lot of the charities along First Ave that set up shop. And clearly, we have a location at 110th and 1st as you get to like mile 18 and a half, uh, which for some people, that's when the wheels fall off. Or, you know, maybe they fall off a little bit before. So I, I think that stretch is really cool because you do, um, you do have to really kind of contain your energy a bit, but you do see a lot, like you see a lot of charities, you see a lot of people. Um, the crowds do tend to thin out a little bit, John, to your point, as you get up to the Bronx, but then you get into the Bronx and, you know, there's a huge group. Um, team Robin hood is usually in there. Another great charity with thousands of people. There's usually like some sort of, um, I think the last year they had and, and Molly, not that you would need any of this, but I think it was like uh one of those stop zones where you could get like uh like spray on um like treatment. I forget who it was. It wasn't like a gel station. Biofreeze, biofreeze, biofreeze. that's what it was. It was like the biofreeze station. It was like kind of like a car wash. You would pull in, get biofreeze, yeah. sprayed on you, and then you would run back out of the chute. It was it was really fascinating. I, you know, naturally some people need that during the race. Um uh, you know, but then you come back into Manhattan. And so I'd love to talk about that because this is kind of like a turning point professionally. Um, also coming back into Manhattan on fifth Ave, but also for runners. Cause then that, that does become kind of like a nemesis around mile 23, 24, as you enter in central park for a lot of people. So let's talk about that and get to the finish here. Yes.
2: Yeah. So getting onto fifth Ave, um, it's like, you know, you're, at any point in a marathon past 20, you start to feel it. That's like the hard part, the last 10K. Um, but it's also slightly uphill climb. Like I remember trying to catch people both years on that uphill part and I just could not make up ground there. Um, cause you're already kind of going uphill, but you can see really far ahead of you. You can see everybody, you know, who's ahead of you. Um, and you just get close, kind of get closer and closer to the park, which is exciting. Um, yeah, that's funny. You mentioned all the, uh, like the biofreeze zones and the bathrooms and stuff. Cause that's just something we'd never know. We just blow <laughs> by all that fun stuff. <laughs> so I, I like to, it. it's like new, it's like new to me to hear you guys talk about it.
1: <laughs> I love not it. not getting to mile 21.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> You're not stopping for the bio-freeze quick, uh, throw it on your hammy and go.
2: <laughs> Close your eyes and run through the mist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. John, any thoughts on uh, fifth Ave?
1: Yeah, I mean, just getting into the Bronx, the Bronx is like seven turns. You have to climb to get into it and climb to get out of it. I think you hit 20 right coming over the bridge. It's just like, that's where it gets challenging, you know? And even if it's, you know, ha- you're having a good day, it's still going to be challenging there. Um, I was, I would joke about Fifth Avenue because everyone talked about the 59th Street Bridge the first time I ran it. And how bad it was, and I didn't think it was that bad, but no one told me about mile 43 <laughs> And I, shame on me, I, I was living literally on 88th and First at the time, so like I could easily go run it and check it out. And I remember, you know, I, my first time I was running about 2:38 pace, and I was, you know, I started running like, you know, I was running about six minute pace, but all of a sudden I started running like 6:15, 6:20 around there, and I was like, oh my god, here, here I am, wheels are falling off. Um, and I was probably like in a hundredth place. So it wasn't as, you know, it wasn't like, you know, probably seems similar to Molly as far as like being by yourself, but I didn't even, I didn't even notice the hill because you can see a lot in front of you. It wasn't like, oh, this is a big hill. So my pace started slowing and mentally I was like ah, like, ah, I guess I made it to 22, 23. That's pretty good. I thought I was like starting to fall apart and it really wasn't. I was just running up a hill from <laughs> 107 to 91st is 1200 meters. It's a significant hill, especially that stage of the race. And if I had just known about it, I would have been fine. I'm like, oh, I'm running 620 instead of six flat. Great. That's about right. I was like, oh, my God, I'm falling apart. I'm slowing down. And I, I just didn't realize that that was like, a, you know, again, it's not a huge hill, but that late in the race, it, it is a, a challenge. And you're also not quite, you're next to the park, but you don't have that kind of emotional, like, victory of, I'm in the park. You're like, you're, you're so it's almost like, you're close but not there yet and so i always tell people based on my experience of being kind of caught off guard about that i said that's i find that's probably the it's most challenging part of the course is 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 that stretch now again you could be having a bad day for other reasons and other parts could affect you differently but the race is going well i think that it's not hard yet i think it gets a little extra hard there and then once you get over that at 91st and 90th you pop in the park there and you do have a, a little like emotional, it's just like you get when you, you get the 10, to, you know, 10 miles and 13.1 and 20, you have these like checks. I'm in the park, you know, you're 23 and change almost 24. The race finishes in the park, even though you exit the park and re-enter the park, it, it's, that's kind of like not really a factor, um, cause you're hugging the park in central park south. But I do find that I was warn people about that. Just know that's going to be challenging. I also tell people not to look at the street signs because they count, they count down. And I just put my head down and run because I remember like looking up and seeing like one Oh seven. And then I, I, when I feel like I run 10 blocks and I look up and it's like one Oh five, so just don't look at the speed signs, know that that's 1200 meters of a climb and that the, at the end of it, you're getting in the park, which is a, which is another kind of win, but I, don't, I, it, I just was caught off guard. And so I, I'm, I, I always tell people, just be aware that there's a, a, a subtle, but challenging hill there that you just want to be aware of. And if your pace slows, that's probably par for the course because you're on a hill
0: yeah john and molly th- those are great points there um you know I, I guess uh you know for the for the the runner at home and, and our charity runners Molly, uh, you guys make it look really easy <laughs> doing that, that stretch. Uh, and, and, you know, those runners that are at that sub elite and elite level, because I, I remember the first time I, I ran and I was in that stretch and I was like, Oh my God, I felt like I hit the third wall, not the first wall. And I was like, how the hell did meb look, make that look so easy back mm-hmm. in 2009. Cause that was kind of part of my inspiration to get us in the New York city marathon, you know, through that stretch and, and you guys, the elite runners getting through that point. But, uh, yeah, that, that that part of the race, um, you got to kind of dig deep, John, and to your point and, and Molly's, you know, is just kind of like try to zone out. Um, but, you know, the one thing that's really cool is, you know, as you enter the park and, and that area is usually in two years ago, we had a chair zone right as you came off that big hill and before you took that right into the park for the first time. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of people in that area, so it is pretty electric. Um, you know, just like we were talking about in Brooklyn, where there's the different pace that you know in um, different uh, neighborhoods and stuff. Um, Sinai is up that way too, so you get a lot of the hospital people out and about cheering. Um, you know, coming in even from, and I, I find like even coming out of the Bronx you're in Harlem and, you know, there's a lot of people in that upper part that kind of carries you through, you know, fifth ave almost, you know, to that whole section. So really that whole fifth ave is pretty packed, similar to like first ave when you come off the 59th street bridge, which certainly does help. Uh, But I, I think the advice of just like putting your head down and just getting up to the park is really solid. And then once you get into the park, John, I love how you mentioned that because I remember the first year that I ran it, I thought I was done like once I hit that park, but uh, uh, no, you have to come out and go on Central Park South and then go back into the park. But I will say this for, for me as, as just a, I say an average runner, I think some of my fastest times, uh, I think I know back in 2014, my fastest mile was like the, like the last mile, <laughs> you know, once I entered that park, you know, mile 25, you know, 24 to 25, because I just knew that, you know, this race was over. There's excitement, you know, depending on the race and depending on how much noise there is in the park, you could hear the finish line. Sometimes I know I've had that experience. So it's, it's pretty kind of cool. Cause you kind of know like, Hey, you're almost done, but you're not done. If that makes sense. So let's talk about the finish we, we've conquered New York and we'll take it from probably like Central Park South, um, you know, into Central Park there with that iconic turn into the park. And then I think it's like 800 to go or maybe 1200 to go, I think almost.
2: Yeah. When you come back into the park, you're almost there. Um, so start your kick. If there's someone, you, if there's someone you want to catch up ahead of you, maybe pick someone and go for it. Um, I know I always tried to zone in. Like I always had someone within a few seconds of me and, nothing feels better than passing some people in the park. Like you feel like you're just getting those spots. Um, so that's a fun game you can play if you're able to do that. Sometimes you're just like, get, I'm just getting to the finish line today. Like I've had marathons like that too, but, um, if you can, yeah, try and pick your, pick your fun, uh, people to race those, that last half mile and they'll have signs saying, you know, 400 to go, 200 to go. Like, so you can really like pour all of it out those last few minutes. Um, And, uh, yeah, that's kind of the best part of the race. I feel like I've run so many races in central park. I just try and chant shorter races, you know, five k's, 10 k's. Um, I try and channel that finish line. A lot of the times they use the same finish line. So maybe if you guys are native New Yorkers doing this race, you can kind of go back to all those training runs you've done in there or some of those weekend races, um, and, uh, have a, have a good finish. I feel like you walk away, no matter what happened in the race, you walk away feeling good about it. If you had a good, like finishing kick <laughs> so try and pull that out if you can i love that
0: john
1: yeah i think it, uh, oftentimes you hear that how hilly central park is but and again at the end of the marathon any incline feels awful but um you actually don't run on the hilliest parts of central park you actually run down cat hill you know you're not running up it and again downhill can be problematic on your legs too your quads your are smashed so yeah so uh, and then you have a little bit of a climb at 72nd, and then actually the second half of uh, Central Park South is is kind of like a hill. And, and again, at that point you're in the last mile, so like you can taste the finish. So it's usually not like a hard hill because like you know, okay, I'm de- you're definitely doing it, you're definitely finishing. But once you pop in at the Columbus Circle, it's right around 26. So you really just have the point two, which is a hill. But again, I don't. I, I've had some pretty bad marathons and, and been in a lot of pain. And I don't remember that being that painful. Cause like, again, the, the crowds pick up, the grandstand seating starts, there's, cl- there's flags, there's signage, you know, you're finishing at that point. That's like pretty much guaranteed. So you, you might be in, 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 the, in a pain cave a little bit, but I, you have the adrenaline, the actual adrenaline, once you hit 26, that you're like, all right, I'm finishing this thing. So I wouldn't worry about that hill too much. Um, and then it's, you know, it's a great finish. It's, you know, and I think it's, um, there's a whole another. I'm sure we'll get to it, Dino, but uh, and again, it's probably different for the pros. But um, you know, the marathon. You finish the marathon. It's not like you're home. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, a, there's a there's a process from the finish line. And you get your medal. to going to wherever you need to go to. So there's definitely some um, logistics involved. And, and 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 you know, obviously you just ran a marathon, so you're pretty tired. Um, I think the pros probably get sent to a special tent where you get your bags and stuff, but it's still a process with that many people finishing in one area. I think a lot of us have to walk off, which is good for recovery, but you might not want to get like walking a mile after a race, but there is some challenges to, 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 to kind of getting out of the finish line, but it's a great finish and it's, you know, historic.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe have someone there to help you just in case you're cramping or something, and then you got to get. Somewhere else. Um like, I've seen people when I went to take like, in the report they're enclosed on and I can't imagine getting to the airport right from the finish line, but people do it. So yeah, have have everything you need with you.
0: Yeah, I have one of those scooters readily available now <laughs> that they have. I think I don't know if they have them yes. in New York, but like yeah, I I, I agree with every point there. You know, Molly, your thing about chasing people or trying to pass people, I know that's happened to me a couple of times. And again, I think, you, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, going out too early, getting caught up in the crowds, the excitement, and that can happen really quick at the finish. As I said, I think, you know, the, the times that I've run that those last two miles tend to be my fastest, which is, you know, I'm hurting the rest of the race, but the last two you just find it. And I think just the excitement of it. I remember one year I was like trying to pass like a guy who had an Italy shirt just so I can say like I passed the Italian at the end um, mm-hmm. you know and, and, and you know you kind of you have to find that and, and dig deep and get through it but the finish is pretty electric um, I am biased I, I've been blessed to run a lot of marathons but I, I always think New York is the biggest and the best and um, you know, from the crowds to the start to the finish, there's no—I I don't think there's anything more iconic of finishing. You know, at the tavern on the Green in Central Park, and the way New York now has done the finish line, where it's kind of really cool and 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 really epic with the grandstands and the lights, and you have the photo and the video up top. You have this like large structure that you're running through. It's really, really wild. But I think you just have to. You know, this is probably the one thing with this podcast that maybe we can sum it up is just really kind of check your emotions, right? Like, cause you can get really carried away at, at so many parts of the race. And, and I think the finish is the same. You don't want to boink or you don't want to hit a, another wall at 800 to go, right? As you turn into central park, <laughs> that would be awful or cramp out or something, you know, just have like, just push your body. So to the max where you can't finish, um, you want to enjoy it. And John, to your point, yeah. I wish, uh, I, I know the last year that I ran the race, I, I, it took me a while to get out of the park and, you know, this year being the year, um, of all these kind of new things, you know, bag checks are different this year. So clearly if you're running the race, check the website. Um, You do have to check a bag the day before you can't bring it the morning of. And then also, you know, in terms of, I think every runner now is getting a poncho, um, which in years past, only runners who did not check a bag got a poncho. Um, So just prepare yourself. And And I think John, you and I have talked about this. I'm sure Molly, you have a plan after the race to meet your family, um, which we'll talk about here in a second, you know, possibly in in some do's and don'ts, but, you know, just have a plan. I think, you know, this year is going to be a little bit different from Project Purple for our runners listening. You know, typically we've done an after party, but because of, you know, with the the COVID restrictions and everything, we just felt it was probably better to do an outdoor meet and greet, which we're doing this year. So there's no after party, unfortunately, but that's always been a place where our runners would meet their family um, after they cross the finish line. And by the time they got out of the park, then they would just meet at the, the bar uh, a couple blocks down from Central Park, where this year you probably want to have that plan ahead of time where you're going to meet your friends and family, you know, maybe away from the park ideally, um, not necessarily close to the park because usually you have a lot of fans and that's pretty much where people congregate. I think the one thing, um, I guess a bit of advice I can say about the finish is, you know, it does take a little while to get out of the park. This year's race is going to be a lot less, so that that might take a little bit uh, less time than it has in the past for people have run it. Um, I know one thing that uh, was a lifesaver for me in nineteen. Was um, I used those pedicabs because the whole Upper West Side was like gridlocked and the bike people were the best people to get to point A to point B because they could navigate through the streets. Um, I was joking about the scooter, but I don't know if scooters are in New York. I don't. I thought they they took them out, um, but that might be an option too. Is just hop on a scooter and, and or one of those uh, divvy bikes. Um, I don't know. They may take them away the weekend of the marathon, just from a security standpoint, um, up by Central Park, I mean, but, you know, those are always good ways to kind of navigate away from Central Park. Naturally, with the security, the the Central Park area is pretty locked down pretty tight. So just have a plan, I guess, is the point. And, you know, maybe look at those alternatives. I think the subway station at Columbus Circle is also closed. So if you're trying to hop on a subway, you're going to probably have to walk a little bit, which could not be, it could be a good thing, you know, recovery wise.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much sure it's going to be different this year with COVID restrictions, but a little tip, kind of a pro tip is when you get out, you just want to go left, you want to go west, not towards all the congestion. So whether that's Columbus or Amsterdam, and usually you pick a bar. So if your friends and family are meeting with you and it's a cold or damp day or whatever, they, they can just kind of hang out and drink coffee or beer or whatever, and they're just waiting for you. And there's no, you know, cell phone service can be tricky. And it's like, if you're exhausted, I remember trying to my wife I forgot her number and it was like I saw someone's phone. It was just like you're not thinking that straight. But I had to go south because I'm affiliated with the New York Athletic Club, and there's a nice location right there where you can go shower up and you can actually I, once like I think my brother-in-law tried to get through time uh, Columbus Circle uh, above ground. And it took him like 45 minutes. It's so congested. It's right by mile 26. I actually went to the subway, and I, I think typically they'll let you drive, ride the subway for free if you have a race bib. I always kind of keep a metro card on anyway, but I went down, he one year I paced I, I uh, Summer Sanders. We literally just walked down the subway, and you basically bypass all of, you know, uh, all that. And it literally took us five minutes to get on the other side of um, Columbus Circle, because you could take the one or nine, whatever. There's literally a walkway underground, which is not crowded. Um, so someone told me that once, and it was like, if you need to go south, and I, typically that's where the pro um hotels are anyway right in the 50s there mm-hmm. and you have other ways getting there molly but like literally if you can just get in the subway and you don't have to pay you don't have to take the subway anywhere you're just basically bypassing uh via underground i think that's i that's saved that saved me 45 minutes um if you need to go south right away but otherwise go west and like get away from the park just and meet your friends yeah. family a couple blocks away because it's just going to be easier i think for everyone
0: yeah that's a good point john Awesome. So we've done the course, we've done the start to finish. This is probably some of the most important things, do's and don'ts in general. So Molly, I know coming from your perspective, are there things that you would recommend that runners should do ahead of time and things that they shouldn't do <laughs> uh, day of the race or during the race?
2: Um, let's see. I mean, ahead of time, I always liked to. So we're in New York for a couple of days before. And, you know, you're going to have to get all of your fueling done. And you don't want to be eating things you haven't eaten before, which is tempting in New York because there's amazing restaurants. Um, stay away from the food carts. I had a friend who got sick from a food cart right before the race. Um, and I always just went to Whole Foods and bought like those, like that. We always stayed near, um, like the Hilton, like on 56th or something like that. And we could just walk to the Columbus circle whole foods. And I would just buy those like rice, chicken and rice bowls. And like, that was my meal for like three days. Cause it was safe. And especially now with COVID, you don't really want to sit in a restaurant necessarily maybe. So I stocked up at whole foods for, for both my races. And that was just fine for a couple of days. Um, and of course New York provides food for the athletes too, which helps. Um, And let's see what not to do during, I mean, make sure you have like a hydration and fuel plan. Like I would say, don't wait until you feel thirsty or feel like you're bonking. Like, so for example, the pros, we just get it every 5k on a table. Um, So maybe you'll want to think for your own, whatever the distance is that you hit every 30 minutes, maybe take something, like figure out what that is for you. And usually that's how you feel the best. Some kind of um, like carbohydrate drink. Like, every 30 minutes was would be a safe bet. Um, so that's something you might want to plan beforehand and maybe practice once or twice at home. Um, and then, I, I guess, yeah, I don't know what else to say about um, after. Maybe, um, I don't know. It's funny how many years I, like, brought, like, high heels to wear after. And I'm like, I don't know why you thought you'd be wearing those after the race. Like, your feet are so swollen. They don't even fit. Like, you have blisters everywhere. So, bring some like cool sneakers to wear afterwards, I guess. Cause you're probably going to be walking wherever you go. I know we walked to a restaurant and walked back from, you know, we walked did a lot of walking after so
0: active, <laughs> active recovery, clearly. Yes. In, in high heels that, that like <laughs> that's work, John, any do's and don'ts.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is a, a, a very a common, uh, don't, It's nothing new on race day that goes to like fueling strategies or fueling products. Um, you know although some of these fancy shoes are, are kind of made just to put on put out, out of the box and you can run fast in them. But typically you want to like you know break in your shoes before race day and not try something new. And it was always something cool and look and, and flashy at the expo and that, that people would buy and then wear on race day and that could be a problem. Although this year it's different because I think the expo is obviously there's more restrictions and but and bib pickup, but really just nothing new on race day. Uh I have a kind of a quick a recommendation for the pace groups. Like we talked about Dino in the past, like in Chicago, we talked about this. Pace groups are great. They're really, they're there to help you keep on track. But Don't feel like you have to be with one. You can always create your own with runners around you. And if you are using a pace group, don't be on top of them. You can utilize the pace group, like from hundred meters or 40 meters away and still see them. i just, for someone who's been in, has managed those programs, you just see what what happens. And people like, especially like a three hour group. The six hour group is having a blast. They're like partying the whole time. This three hour group is literally like, there's guys probably have no business trying to run three hours and they're just like on top of the pacer until, and like breathing hard. And, and so it's pace groups are there is it, to, to, to help you, but don't make it stress you out where you're trying to find one or you don't have one. You can easily talk to your fellow runners around you and Hey, what are you trying to run? Hey, and you can even do this in the beginning of the race because you're not running that hard and it doesn't hurt yet. Just find your own pace group. Make your own pace group. And your pace group could be two people. You know, just someone you find. So again, like, don't let those like logistics of, of page groups waste your energy. You know, if they're there and they help you, great. If not, don't you don't need them. But it's just like a, I think some people um, the, the pace groups kind of mess them up a little bit. And I think if they're there as a positive resource. Don't let them be like kind of a negative energy. Suck because you're panicking about X, Y, and Z when it comes to the page groups.
0: Solid advice. I, I've got a question for both you guys and one more piece on this do's and don'ts. Uh, Molly and John, from both of your perspectives, and we'll go to Molly first. And John, you, you say this term that we always talk about it, and It's funny because someone, we said it the other night on the Zoom and one of our runners posted his singlet and he used the term, which is the hay is in the barn. So my point in in asking this is, how, what advice could you give to the the listeners at home that are ready for the race on not overthinking things? Is there a, any sort of strategy or advice that we could give the audience about trying not to overthink things when it comes to race day and race preparation? Molly?
2: I would say, um, like, don't read too much into if you're feeling a little sluggish or like you have a random ache or pain you've never felt before, because usually like taper week, some, you just feel funny cause it's so different for your body. Um, so I would say don't, just try not to, you know, catastrophize things until you get in see how it goes, get into the race and just see how it goes. Um, you know, you can always adjust your goals once you get in there, but a lot of the times you get started and all that stuff just fades away. Like I remember thinking, oh, like my foot's really sore, you know, and then by mile two, I was like, never thought about it again. So um, a lot of the times, it's just kind of your body, just tension and nerves just acting up. Um, And also, I would say, especially in a race like New York, maybe don't force things too much as far as pace. Like I know, like we were talking about how things could be a lot of seconds in that first mile, you take off a few in the second and back and forth, back and forth. I think you probably won't have a great race experience if you're too dialed in to like your watch the entire time. Um, so kind of go with the flow of the race and just try and like, you know, uh, like pick your spots, um, to check in, you know, you want to check in around half, you want to check in at 20 and, and adjust from there. But, um, if, if you're just, you know, feeling things out and, um, Maybe picking a few people to race with, finding your pace group. It like it usually works out in the end and it it's more enjoyable too.
1: Awesome. John? Yeah, I was thinking, you know, the haze in the barn is an you know, expression like college coach used to say. And I kind of added uh something to it where I said the haze in the barn or it's not. <laughs> so like if you know, there's definitely a lot of folks that like didn't train at all, especially this year with like, is this race even happening? And so you can't sit there and be like, I'll focus on all the bad runs, all the runs you didn't do. So focus on the good, not don't focus on the missed run, Focus on like the run you did in the, in the, in the rain that you got through or the, the night that you stayed in and didn't go to your friend's party because you were focused, like all the focus on what you did, what you didn't do, because you don't want to go in there dejected. Cause I mean, I'm sure like even the pros, like you know, this sometimes some training cycles go so well, but there's always a bad workout or a bad race or a bad, you know, buildup. So, or, so just, you know, it, it, work is done or it's not, you're not going to have a two week you know two weeks out you're not going to change the fitness so just focus on like the things you've done um and not work and, and don't worry about so- something that didn't happen you know because it's not going to serve you well and then again i think i was like take what the day gives you i think it's probably the exciting thing about the marathon is like there's so many more variables you know and obviously molly has a great background in track and field of 5k and 10k even the half i feel like and correct me if i'm wrong molly um I don't know the five k and ten k and and even the half marathon is pretty predictable I think mm-hmm. for your body like the marathon like I just think that's like and again in the pros are running you know two twenties and 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 lower um, so there's less can go wrong I think in a sense than but I, am I right to say that there's the marathon Definitely. that day like, gives you like there's so many variables that come and, and for better or worse that come into play that like you don't know what's gonna happen a lot of the times and I think that's like I don't know an added layer of like. I, I have no idea how this is going to go. And so I feel like that, does that make
2: sense Molly? Yeah. Yeah. know that everybody on the starting line is feeling that they're like, Oh, I hope things are good in this one. Cause anything can happen in a marathon. So you just do your best troubleshoot all that before try and practice as much as you can to avoid those things before. Um, and then race day is just going to be, it's going to go how it's going to go. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it, and and that's it. Like you just got to go with what what's given to you, and, and just go out and put one foot in front of the other, as we say here. Molly and John, this was awesome. Um, Molly, I have two questions for you before we let you go here, though. Naturally, uh, first of all, I don't know if everyone knows, but uh, if you don't follow Molly, but Molly is expecting her first child with her husband Kurt. So congratulations! I know you won't. You didn't compete in Boston. You'll you. We'll be in New York chairing. So do you have a favorite in this race on the female side?
2: Oh my gosh.
0: Put you on the spot um, here.
2: I know. I'm trying to think who's in the women's field for New York. Um, well, another Sogani athlete, Laura sweet. I'm always rooting for Laura. I know she's gonna be on the start line. Um, I have I know Mary Katani retired. She's like a New York legend, so she yeah. won't be back. Um, I'm not. Sure. I haven't seen the start list enough to know. Uh, I,
0: can I throw out some names for you? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so let me know. <laughs> here's the list. Uh, we've got uh, Grace Bowen, Molly Bookmeyer, uh, Eileen Barry, Stephanie Bruce, Annie Frisbee, Jessica Chickchester. Sorry for mispronouncing that. If I did. Uh, Roberta Groner, Anna Johnson, Emma Curtis, Sally Kipiego. Des Linden, Des is going to run New York after doing Boston. God bless her. Yvette Miaja, uh, McKenna Myler, Samantha Rocker, Lindsay Sheriff, Molly Seidel, not to be confused with Molly Huddle. Uh, We'll (laughs) talk about that in a second. Leanne Sherrick, Emily Sisson, Kellen Taylor, Joanna Thompson, Laura Thwaite, and Alphine uh, Tumliak. Um, But I think a couple, Emily is did Emily drop out because of an injury? I think I saw. I've seen
2: Emily and Alphine scratch. Yep. So I know they won't be in there. I forgot the Olympians are, did all sign on though. So Sally will be there. You, you guys saw her race in Tokyo. Yep. Um, and Molly, of course, and bro, I've got bronze in Tokyo is coming back. Um, know, I think I think Sally could have a good one because she had a rough day in Tokyo, so maybe she's like extra motivated and it maybe it didn't beat her up as much. So I'd say, look out and she's finished second there before. So she's good on that course. Um, and then I, I don't know if there were more African runners coming that's, in or if that was just the U S list. That's the U
0: S list. I think, yeah, this is the U S list that they put out. So, um, I'm sure there are not to put me on the spot here, but I guess, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that looks like the American list. So I know that New York road runners just reading the press release, um, mm-hmm is touting that this is kind of one of their deepest us fields that they've had professionally in quite some time, maybe in the history of the race, potentially. Um, so, and I think to your point, all three women who qualified for the Olympics will be there. I know Alphine scratched, but, um, they still have Molly and, um, Sally there as well. So, um, pretty impressive. Cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The Olympics to fall marathon turnaround is tough. So, yeah, definitely giving them credit. And yeah, the Boston to New York turnaround, Des, wow, that's, that's yeah, a hard one. <laughs> that's a hard
0: one, yeah. So last question for you, we mentioned you're expecting, so what are your plans moving forward um, in terms of, uh, you know, will we see you back? And in in, I know you said you're expecting sometime in the early spring. Can we see, not to put you on the spot because anything can <laughs> change. Uh, can we see like a, a fall marathon or something in the summer?
2: Yeah, I'd love to be back by then. You know, that would give me six months to get back and most women can do that turnaround. Um, so that's, that's what the goal is. We kind of got to take it month by month and just see how things go. Like I was dealing with sort of a, like re- an ankle injury and sort of the imbalances from that the last year and a half. So that's still going to have to, you know, be worked out. Um, which I think we are kind of working it out. So, um, all that, is gotta, all that has to align, but I do definitely want to... I think I have a PR in the marathon still. I think that's still reachable for me. And so definitely want to keep trying for that. And who knows, maybe if that lands me on the start line for the marathon trials for 2024, then that would be an awesome end of the career type of race.
0: So awesome. I, I mean, it's got to be pretty special. I mean, um, you know, a, a, a fan geek here, I'll geek out a little bit. It's It's pretty cool to see... The women's running naturally through the Olympics. You saw so many moms, right? And then we just saw, <clears throat> excuse me, Candace Parker. And I know you're a big basketball fan. You know she just won as you know won the WNBA championship and had her daughter there. It's just really cool to see that, you know, just here recently. So uh, pretty special stuff. So congratulations again to you and Kurt. Uh, we wish you guys nothing but the best, and uh, we can't wait to have you back on the uh the race scene cheering for you, hopefully in New York in twenty twenty two.
2: Yes, I hope so. Thanks <laughs> no. so much, Dino and John. I actually I'm gonna duck out because I have to go get the permit for our cross country race. We're um, gonna
0: we're gonna put the link on our website yes. for that. So <laughs> okay. when, when is that real quick?
2: And thanks for registering Dino and you and the boys. Um it's October thirtieth. Okay. Um, Roger Williams park. And so it's a, it's a city park. So I have to go to city hall and get the permits (laughs) in person, which usually we don't have to do, but I'm on my way. Um, so yeah, we are preparing for a fun cross country. All comers meet. Um, Cool.
0: Cool. So we'll have to throw that in. I'll throw that in the podcast promotion there. Um, and we'll get it out and, uh, we'll get it out to our field. I know we, we usually, I know you'll probably get some regulars, uh, from project purple, uh, that, that, like come into your event. So it's good to see that that'll be in person. Molly. Yes. Thank you Thanks, so much. Guys.
2: You can finish up. Um, and let me know. I'll share the link when I get it for awesome. this podcast. <laughs>
0: Thanks Molly. Take care. Thanks so much,
2: Congrats. Guys. Bye.
0: Thank you to John Camp. Thank you to Molly Huddle for being our guest on this special episode of the New York City Marathon Preview. If you like what you hear today, feel free to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to share this podcast. And until next time, please be safe. That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. <laughs>